This podcast was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire. For more information on who we are and what we do, visit lifelanks.org. My name is Bryony, and um, I think before we go any further this morning, I just want to thank everybody who serves in the life of this community. And um, yeah, we can give them a round of applause. So many people serve in so many different ways, and some of them are obvious because they're on the stage or they're wearing a particular colored t-shirt. Some are very hidden, some are on Sundays, some are during the week, in the building, in the community, and it only functions because so many people serve in so many ways. So I want to say a massive thank you. What you do is seen. We really appreciate that. So this morning, we're continuing our series, Wisdom for Life. We're journeying through the book of Proverbs. We're gleaning wisdom for our lives. That's a good word, isn't it? Gleaning. See if you can get that into a, slip that into a sentence today. And don't, can't just say, Bryony said gleaning. Did you hear? That wouldn't, that wouldn't cast. That wouldn't get you a point. Um, but that is what we're doing. We are gleaning wisdom for life, applicable knowledge. Knowledge that we can put into practice in our lives. And this morning, we're going to focus on just one verse in chapter four. And this verse begins with a pretty epic opener. Are you ready? It begins, above all else. Now, this kind of makes me sit forward on the edge of my seat, because I'm like, this must be good. This must be important. This must be like serious wisdom for life, because it's above all else else. And I wonder if you were going to finish that sentence, if you were going to pass like your wisdom for life, your wisest wisdom for life onto someone, what would you say? How would you finish that sentence above all else? In fact, why don't you turn to the person next to you and finish the sentence? Above all else, what would you say? your wisdom for life. Amazing. Lots of chuckles. Lots of chuckles. It must have been humorous wisdom for life. I don't know if you remember perhaps something that your parents said. You know, if they were to finish the sentence above all else. You know, looking back at my upbringing, I think it was above all else, put another jumper on. And it's making a comeback in my house. I have got to be honest. (laughs) I do it and I pass it on. But this week I asked some of our life kids, we asked some of our life kids how their parents would finish that sentence. Like, what was the thing that your parents tell you to do most of all? Would you like to hear some? Okay, above all else, shh. That was my first one. Above all else, eat your veggies. Get off the PC. Stop arguing. And then I had, above all else, brush your teeth properly in capital letters. Brush your teeth properly. Maybe you said that, maybe that was said to you. Above all else, we had some lovely ones. Believe in yourself. Have fun. I love you. And the same parent that got I love you also got, have you washed your hands and flushed the chain? 
That's the two things they say in their house. And then one of my favorites was from one of our four-year-olds who said, imagine the four-year-old's little brain going, don't have that thing unless the grown-ups say you can have one. <laughs> and so mum kind of probed a little bit and got to the root of it. So it became, don't have that thing like a biscuit unless the grown-ups say you can have one. Above all else, that's what that four-year-old hears his parents say. So, so that's how this epic opener begins. Above all else, this proverb. And this is how it continues. It's Proverbs 4, verse 23. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart, protect your heart, because everything that you do flows from there. One translation says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. It determines the course of your life. Whatever you do, above all else, once you've flushed the chain and washed your hands and eaten your veggies, guard your heart, protect your heart, watch over your heart, because what's in your heart flows into everything else. It determines the course of your life. And when we read the word heart, I wonder what comes to mind for you. I wonder how you would describe the word heart. Maybe it's something, like an image, perhaps a little bit like this one. Perhaps it's ideas, words like emotions or feelings, or like, like the core and the center of who you are. Maybe when you hear the word heart, you go down a more scientific route. And when I was like, what do you think when you think of heart? The words that came to mind were the chambered muscular organ in invertebrates that pumps blood received from the veins into the arteries, thereby maintaining the flow of blood through the entire circulatory system. Anyone? Just one of our science teachers. <laughs> Amazing! <laughs> but it's interesting, isn't it, to consider, well, if, if we're going to put this into practice, this is about applicable knowledge, knowledge that we can apply to our lives that actually changes things. It's interesting to think, well, what do we mean by heart? If the key is to guard our heart, what do we mean by heart? But if we're actually going to put this into practice, we kind of need to look a little bit further and look at what did the people who originally heard this understand by heart? What did they think of? What did the, the, the author in the culture and the day in which this was first written, what did they mean by heart. Because we, when, when we come to study the Bible, and I don't know about you, but I love the Bible, and then sometimes I find it difficult. And sometimes I find it confusing and a little bit tricky, and like it needs a little bit of work. But when we come to study the Bible, we've got to remember that it wasn't written in our country, and it wasn't written in our language, and it wasn't written in our culture, and it wasn't written in our time in history. So we need to do that work to kind of close the gap between where we are and where, where and when the Bible was written. So I want us to think for a little bit about what they heard when they first heard this. What, what did they mean, the, the ancient Israelites, what did they mean by heart? Is that okay? Are you ready for a little lesson? Okay, here you go. Here's some Hebrew for you. You can impress your friends with over lunch. So the Hebrew word for heart is levav, or just lev. And the, the ancient Israelites understood the heart as the generator of physical life, as, as the generator of physical life, as the 
the kind of center of physical life. They understood something of the organ of the heart. But they didn't have an understanding or a concept or a word for the brain. And so they believed that thinking took place in the heart as well. So it's the generator of physical life, but it's also the center of intellectual life. And, and I, I think we kind of, sometimes we find ourselves coming across phrases that, that allude to this. Like people say, I just I knew in my heart. Have you, have you heard that kind of phrase? Or like, I, I knew in my heart, or the idea that you understand in your heart, that you discern with your heart. Even in Proverbs, it says wisdom dwells in the heart. So the heart was seen as the, generator of physical life and the center of intellectual life where we thought. Not just that, it was also seen as the place where we feel emotions. And that might be perhaps our common understanding when we say heart, you know, where you feel pain or joy or fear. And we get that, don't we? Like, it breaks my heart. Or I feel like my heart is bursting with joy. But it's also considered the place where you made decisions driven by desires, where you made decisions driven by desires. So we come across phrases in the Bible like they decided in their hearts, the desires of your hearts. Do what's in your heart to do. So when we read, above all else, guard your heart. And I know for me, I'm tempted to think emotions and focus primarily on that, the the understanding of those who first heard this, of the, the, the author of this wisdom, is that heart is the center of our physical, intellectual, emotional life, as well as our decisions and our desires. And so that's what I want us to think about a little bit more today. Because I think what this verse helps us to understand is that what we do flows out of who we are. That everything that we do comes from who we are. And I don't know about you, but sometimes in in a busy, demanding world, the doing gets all the attention. You know, in a world that sometimes is a bit obsessed with what we do, with achieving and ticking the lists, maybe that's just me. But in a world that focuses so much on what we do, sometimes who we are gets neglected. But everything we do comes from who we are, our physical, intellectual, emotional life, our decisions and our desires. That what you do and how you do it is determined by who you are. What you do and how you do it is determined by who you are, by your whole self, your physical, intellectual, emotional well-being, your desires and decisions. So if we're going to understand, if we're going to put into practice Proverbs 4, verse 23, above all else, we need to understand that what we do and how we do it is determined by who we are. So we must guard and protect and watch over our body, mind, emotions, and will. Because it matters how we live, doesn't it? It matters how we live. Our lives impact other people. If we're ever tempted to think, well, it doesn't matter because it's just me. No, our lives impact others. It matters how we live. It matters how we live because we're created to bear the image of God. We were created to reflect the nature and the character of God, to be like his image bearers here on earth. And so what a responsibility, but what a privilege that, that through what we do, 
which flows from who we are, that people might see the Jesus they haven't seen yet until we walk into their, the place where they work or the school where they go or the street where they live. Like, that's an incredible honor. That's an incredible privilege. It's a responsibility. And so it matters what we do. And therefore, it matters who we are, because everything that we do flows from who we are. And so above all else, guard your heart. So how do we do that? That is a big question. How long have you got? And I certainly don't have all the answers. And this is something we're going to unpack a little bit more this week in our life groups on Thursday evenings. We've got a few that meet at different times during the week. And so if you're not yet part of a life group, then I'd encourage you to get in one this week and dig into this a little bit more. How can I guard my heart, my whole being, so that there's a pureness that flows into everything that I do? Because it matters how I live. So I want us to to consider these four areas and what we need to understand if we're going to guard ourselves in these four areas. Is that okay? Here we go. First of all, when we're thinking about our physical well-being, we must understand that we reap what we sow, that we reap what we sow. That's what Paul writes to the church in Galatia. He says, a person reaps what they sow. The idea that we We invest and there's a return. When we put something in, we get something out. This summer, we were on holiday as a family and we went along to an arcade. Anyone else spend their summer holidays at an arcade? So we found this machine where you could put 50 cents in, half a euro, and um, you then got a bouncy ball. You put the coin in, a bouncy ball comes out, and then you kind of have to like flick it around inside the machine until you get it in the hole, and then it drops down, and you've got a bouncy ball for like 50 cents. Like this was a good deal. You put something in, you get something out. And I don't know about you, but although I'm 37, I love a bouncy ball because I just feel like I'm living on the edge. You know, like, yes, you're playing catch, but at any moment, it could be like miles down the road because it could just bounce off the wrong thing, couldn't it? Anyone else? (laughs) Possibly Trish, but I think that you're all just laughing at me. (laughs) Amazing. Well, let me tell you what happens when we put our 50 cents in. This is what happens. You reap what you sow, right? You put something in, you get something out. We put our 50 cents in, and then we get one bouncy ball. We've got two kids, so it's like, uh uh-oh, what's going to happen now? Because we didn't have another coin. We turned the dial again, and another ball came out. And we got to live it all again. And then we thought, shall we try the dial again? A third ball came out. Then we thought, should we try the dial again? Guess what? We got four bouncy balls for 50 cents. And then I kind of felt like we were stealing in some way. Like, like this machine's not working how it should. And so we just walked away and left the next person to get the blessing. Now, you're wondering, what are we talking about and where were we? If we're going to look after our physical well-being, if we're going to guard ourselves physically, we have to understand that we reap what we sow, that what we put in comes out, that that what we invest, we get a return on. Because I think if we're honest, I think most of us know the things we should do to look after ourselves. I I know the stuff. I know if I'm wise, because I don't always put it into practice. You know, the eight hours sleep, the two liters of water, the nutritional balanced diet, the regular exercise, all these things, 
But I don't know about anyone else, and don't look around the room, but I don't always put them into practice. And, and possibly I don't often put them into practice. But if we lack energy or motivation for these things, I think understanding that we reap what we sow will help us. You know, I am, I am no expert, but I know that when you sow exercise, you reap energy. Like, it just doesn't sound like it makes sense, does it? But it's true. You reap those happy hormones. I've forgotten the name of it, but I'm sure our science teacher will be able to tell us afterwards. Endorphins. Thank you, Claire. And so we've got more to give to others. Because everything you do flows from who you are. You know, when you, when, you have a proper, when you sow a proper night's sleep, you reap an increased ability to problem solve. Did you know that? When you're sleep deprived, and this is no heaviness to the parents with small children who are like, I'm sleep deprived and it's, no, it's not my choice. You will come through it. But when you're sleep deprived, it impacts your ability to solve problems. That's amazing, isn't it? And so when we sow a good night's sleep, we reap increased ability to problem solve. And so you could walk into the workplace and bring the breakthrough that, that is needed because your mind is there ready to solve the problem. If, certainly this helps me, and perhaps it will help you, that when we're thinking about guarding our physical well-being, understand that we reap what we sow. It is worth it. Even if you go for the run and you don't see the instant results. I can't put my hand up because I don't go for the run. But maybe you've, maybe you've been that person. I tried this, and I didn't see instant results. Keep going. Understand that you reap what you sow. Secondly, thinking about our, our minds, the things that we think. How do we guard that? Well, I think we need to understand that we're easily influenced. Even if we don't want to admit it. Even if we're like, not me. I'm like an island, untouchable. We're, rec we're easily influenced that the voices around us influence us, and they change us, sometimes so slowly that we don't even notice it. But we're easily influenced, and sometimes those influences are positive, and sometimes they're negative, and sometimes they're somehow both at the same time. That other people influence us, that our friends and our family. But as, as technology has advanced in recent years, it's amazing that we can be influenced by people we're not in the same place as, isn't it? You don't just have to be sat with someone to be influenced by their thoughts, their actions, the way they speak, the things they value. And in fact, you don't even have to know them. You can go on Instagram and be influenced by some incredible celebrity with a bazillion followers through the wonder of technology. We have to recognize that we're easily influenced and that there are so many voices in our lives through podcasts and videos and good old-fashioned TV and social media and even books. Do you remember them? I love books. And because of technology, these voices seem to, can access us 24-7. In the quietness of our homes, these, these voices, these influences have an in. And as I said, sometimes those are positive, sometimes they're not. And if we're going to protect and guard and watch over our minds... We have to recognize that we're easily influenced. And Paul in 1 Corinthians writes, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And I like to think that like, but if, if, you're just, if you're positive, you can do everything and you can change the world. But interestingly, he, he points out that actually it's the negative that often it can impact the positive. And so we have to guard the voices 
in our lives. There's things wider than individual people that influence us, isn't it? It's language, our environment, our culture, the place where we grew up, the weather. Anyone else? I've realized that when it gets to this time of year, when the weather starts to change, I just want to be a bear and hibernate for about three months. Like, just get my dressing gown on, and I will see you in three months, and I'll have a smile on my face. And I have to resist that urge. I have to resist the way that the weather influences me. I do use my dressing gown. I just don't hide away for three months. So we have to recognize that we're easily influenced. So we have to recognize the voices, recognize the influences. We have to analyze them. Is this helping me right now? Is this helping me follow Jesus? Is this constructive? Is there a voice that I need to turn up in my life, that I need to fill myself with? And is there a voice that needs to go on mute? Maybe even just for a season, because that's not building me, it's not guarding my mind, it's influencing the way that I think in a way that is not helpful to me seeking to follow Jesus. So that's how we guard our minds. Thirdly, how do we guard our emotions? Perhaps the way that I, I would see the word heart. How do we guard that side of us? Because sometimes there are moments in life, isn't there, when, when things happen to us that we would not have wanted. There's a pain that kind of occurs not because of something we've done, but because of what someone else has done. And in those moments, there's an opportunity for us, not an easy opportunity for us to take. But if we're going to guard our hearts, if we're going to guard our emotions, I think we need to understand that unforgiveness prolongs the pain. That unforgiveness prolongs the pain. That when people hurt us, and it might be something that is, kind of feels seemingly small or something very significant. It might be something that happens kind of as a one-off or it might be something that happens on an ongoing basis. It might be a pain that we feel that in some ways feels not justified because it's not that someone did something, but it's just that they didn't do what I expected them to do and that hurts. And maybe they didn't actually do anything wrong, but like, there's still that pain of disappointment, of unmet expectations. When we hold on to unforgiveness, when we don't lean into that tricky but so vital process of forgiveness, that pain that was caused to us, we carry by our choice, by not engaging in that process of forgiveness. It prolongs the pain. And sometimes the people around us will see it. They'll see that pain and that wound that we're carrying, and they'll see it flowing out into what we do. And sometimes they won't, because it'll be hidden. Because kind of the, the only way we knew how to deal with it was to kind of box it off and bury it deep. But that rarely works, because the box, the lid just pops open, open at the worst moments, doesn't it? And we think, where did that come from? Or we, or we limit ourselves in relationships, because we box, as we box things off, we kind of shut parts of ourselves down. And although it isn't an easy process to walk through, it's a vital one. If we're going to guard our hearts, 
because we understand that everything we do flows from who we are. And we understand that it matters how we live because we're born to reflect the glory of God and to draw people to him. And so if this kind of resonates with you today, and perhaps even in this moment, if you're thinking, you know what, I think, I think there is someone that I need to forgive. Let me encourage you to begin that process. You know, it begins sometimes with the choice to let go, to release that person from the, the, the sense of, well, you know what, they owe me for what they've done. They owe me, of releasing that anger and that resentment. It starts with the choice, but it doesn't end there. You know, when I've had to walk through processes of forgiving people, my first prayer has been, God, help me to forgive. God, I, I want to. That's a big step. God, help me to. And then I've began to speak it out, and I kind of feel a bit like a phony at first, or a fake, because I'm like, I'm saying it, but I don't really feel it. But somehow the saying it is like the next step. It's like I'm putting my intention and my will behind this. And I, I'm trusting that when I begin to speak this out, that where my mouth goes, my heart will follow. And then I found myself thinking, what, what would I, if I wanted the best for this person, what would it be? You know, resisting the temptation of, well, well they don't deserve this anyway. I, something bad should happen to them because of what they've done. I've resisted that temptation and began to pray God's blessing and God's best over that person. And then my heart has begun finally to change. And sometimes I've taken a few steps back and I've had to walk through again. But on the other end is a place of healing. It's a place of freedom. It's a place where our hearts aren't carrying that pain that flows into what we do. And so I'd encourage you, if that resonates with you, no matter how long you've been a follower of Jesus, no matter how long you've walked through that process, stuff happens, doesn't it? If that resonates with you, let me encourage you to lean into that process. Talk with your life group about it. Talk to someone here about it. Get some support and strength walking through those steps so that we can guard our heart above all else. And the final thing is I just invite the band to come and help us. Thinking about our decisions and our desires because we make choices all the time, don't we? Like Shahid said, you made a choice to be here today. Gemma encouraged us, we might be facing decisions, we might be facing choices, and we can bring that all to God, and we can look to him for our wisdom. I think when it comes to decisions driven by our desires, we need to understand that every decision should be made in light of our decision to follow Jesus. That following Jesus is the best and most important decision we could ever make. Because we all make a decision who we follow with our lives. You know, whether it's ourselves, whether it's the prevailing values of the culture around us, whether it's someone we look up to, we all make a decision. And the best decision we can make is to follow Jesus. Through his strength and his power. To walk in his footsteps to live out his example here on earth. And when we make that as our kind of foundational decision, then every other decision can flow out of that decision. Every other decision, the decisions we make around where we live, what career we're going to pursue, who we marry, how we manage our finances, what we do with our time, how we raise our children, how we interact with our neighbors. All, every other decision 
then comes in line with that decision to follow Jesus first and foremost. And if one of the options to the decision isn't in line with that, then that tells us what decision to make. Because our decision to follow Jesus first and foremost should become like the foundation that every other decision is built on. Every other decision comes into line with, it's like the, the guiding decision that every other decision falls in line with. And we've got an opportunity to make that decision today. And just in this moment, as we reflect about what we've heard, I would just encourage you, if you feel comfortable, just to close your eyes or perhaps lower your head, just so you can reflect on your life and your situation in this moment and not be distracted by the people around you. Because if wisdom is knowledge that is applied, I wonder what you need to apply today. You know, as we've talked about guarding our hearts in the holistic sense, our physical, intellectual, emotional life, our decisions and our desires. If you found this podcast inspiring and helpful, then we'd love for you to get in touch via at LifeLanks on social media 